Um, it's good to have you here today. It's good to be here on Christmas. Uh, you know, instead of uh, talking about Christmas right now, I thought I'd take the opportunity here to, to share just how awesome this year has been. Um, if you've been with us this year, you've seen a lot of changes, a lot of good things that, that have happened, and, you know, up to building projects, to um, sort of just revamping a lot of the things that we do. And it's been a really good, and it's been an exciting year. And in 2014, um, I, I'm always, like, looking out, you know, 10 steps ahead to the next thing, and I'm just really excited for what we have for 2014. So if you don't have a regular place to worship, um, I'd like to invite you to just be a part of, of this church family. We have great people here, and, and really is, feels like family here at NCF. Um, we're going to be doing a series on Jonah in the beginning of the year, and then uh, after Easter, we're actually doing a series on awkward conversations. How many of you have ever had an awkward conversation? <laughs> Yeah, especially being Christians, you get questions like, is science incompatible with Christianity? So we're going to like have these awkward conversations. We're actually going to bring people on stage. We're going to have talks with them. Uh, we're going to bring in, we're inviting atheists. We're going to have conversations with atheists because I, I love talking with atheists. They're, they're um, honestly, I love them and, and, they're, and they're great people. So maybe you are struggling with what is some of the big questions in life, you know, um, that question increasingly is becoming more and more uh, important. Is science incompatible with religion? And the answer is no, not at all. But we're going to delve into why. We're going to delve into what does atheism say? We're going to delve into what other world religions say. We're going to go into those awkward conversations on like, okay, so you're a Christian. What do you believe on homosexuality? And we're going to talk about how do we navigate some of those conversations. And so um, although that's four months away, uh, you know, put that on your calendar. Sort of be thinking about if you don't have a normal place to worship, we're going to be digging through some of those big, deep life issues in 2014. But today is Christmas Eve, so I guess we've got to focus on today for a few minutes here. Today is Christmas Eve, the, the day that we really celebrate that, that Christ came to us, that God stepped out of his throne room in heaven and came to earth, and the mystery and the majesty of all that that means. What does that mean for us? Why is that important? Every other world religion says that you need to be your best, that you need to do things, and you need to, to, to do better and in order to get to God. But this is the day that we celebrate that God came to us. He just cut through all that other stuff. And he came to us. And what does that mean for our lives? Do we have to appease God? Or is that already done? Do we need to have it all together or not? I mean, Christ came for us exactly how we are. Uh, my friend Elmo read the Christmas gospel in English and in Spanish, and our translator isn't here today, so I'll be translating this message word for word into Spanish and whatever other... I'm kidding. Um, that would be quite a sight to see. It's almost like two weeks ago I rapped in a sermon, um, so I'm still... I'm sorry, those of you who are regular attenders, I'm still apologizing for that. Um... But we're going to be going through John. See, the Gospel of Luke, which Elmo read, was real literal. It, it tells exactly what happened, the exact parts of the story. And that's really important that we have all those exact parts of the story. But one of the things that John does is he gives us a, a very abstract view. He gives us this view of why it's important that Jesus was born. And so we're going to be going through uh, the book of John this morning, not the whole book, this morning. Wow, I'm used to preaching in morning time. It is definitely dark outside, it's definitely evening time. So this evening we're going to be going through John chapter 1, and we're just going to be going through a little bit of that. 
So it'll be on the screens. Um, we have a Bible app. It's, it's up on that. And, uh, and in your regular hard copy Bible, uh, you'll find it right after the book of Luke. So um, check this out. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Through him nothing was made that has been made. In him life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So one of the things John is saying here is that God pre-existed. That Jesus, who is born, actually pre-existed, was around for all time. Before human history even began, before the earth was even created, that, that Jesus was somehow there with God. That Jesus was there. Well, that, what does that mean? That means that he was in heaven with God, it, it, experiencing praise and worship, ceaseless praise and worship all day long. That that's where Jesus was, and that's what Jesus did before that he came to earth. And also, John calls him the Word, the Logos, the Word of life. And if you read the Old Testament, one of the things you'll see is the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The word of the Lord came to David. The word of the Lord came to God's people. And God's people spoke that. I mean, isn't that why we come to church? To hear a word from the Lord. To hear what God has for our lives. To hear what God wants from us. Isn't that why we even come? Isn't that why there's this divine spark within us that that causes us to seek whether or not these big questions are actually true or not, or what the answer to some of these big questions. You know, how were we created? Did we evolve? What happened? There's this divine spark within us that says, I want to know my creator. I want to know what happened to this whole world and how we got here. And I love that he says that this is the word, and the collective word throughout all of history revealed himself in Jesus. So if you look through all the Old Testament, and the Old Testament says the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, it, it all reveals itself in the person of Jesus. Jesus is God revealed to humanity. And then it says this word is actually light, light that guides us, but not only that. I mean, we look at light today as something that, you know, we flip on in the darkness. And for us, we take that pretty relatively um, flippantly because we have electricity. And just a couple hundred years ago, that wasn't so. I mean, people didn't have electricity. They had gas lamps and things like that. But a couple thousand years ago, the sun goes down, the moon might come up, depending on what time of year it is. Um, or what time of month it is, the moon might shine, but you're in darkness at night. I mean, there's some stars and, and, and there's some things and you could do a candle or a torch or something like that, but it was dark. And what the great thing here is John isn't even saying that, that, that Jesus was, was bright, that he was like a flashlight. He wasn't even saying that. He's saying that he is like outshines the sun because this word for light here actually means the source of life. In the Greek, there's a ton of words used for light. You know, like you're just holding a light. And then this means actually the source of all the creative power, the source of light itself. And then John talks about the struggle between darkness and light. Don't we have that struggle today in our lives? Don't we have that? I mean, everywhere we turn, there's a struggle between darkness and light. And there's a problem in the world because that the world is full of sin and death and, and darkness. And, and sometimes 
when you're in that, light can be incredibly offensive. I watched this great documentary about Bulgarian, maybe not Bulgarian, Serbian Jews who stayed um, hidden in a cave for 511 days to escape the Holocaust. And when they came out, they were so pale and so white, and their eyes, they said they couldn't look, um, they, they had to be in dark rooms for days because they couldn't even open their eyes in the daylight because it was so bright. Sometimes when you live in darkness, light is offensive. Light is hard. Light is hard to see. Light is hard to look at. But with the go- this gospel is saying that in a world that was full of darkness, the ultimate light came. Some chose to, to not follow the light, and some actually chose to kill the light. But he wouldn't stay dead. Because three days later, he rose from the grave and conquered death. Because in this light that we're talking about is the source of all life. So Jesus came to this world as the source of all life. What does that mean for us? That means we could, we could trust him and confide in him and, and draw our life and our power from him. And sometimes we get into Christmas time and we think of loss. You know, sometimes we, we lose people during the year and we think of what a dark Christmas it is sometimes. But it doesn't have to be that way. We remember that Jesus is the light of the world and he even lights up that part of our life that hurts that part of our life that feels lost, that part of our life that is just in darkness. Jesus, his light cuts through all of it. As we keep going in John chapter 1, John says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Talking about John the Baptist. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the, through the, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he became, or he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, but of a husband's will, born of God. This is really, really important. John is retelling the story of Jesus' birth. Some easily accept this. Some prefer their darkness. We all know these people, right, in our lives. Some people are like, you know what? I've seen the light. I've seen Jesus, and I've just changed my life. But there's some people that just prefer darkness, that get so used to it, that when the light comes, it becomes difficult to bear. But we want to be people who run to that light, people who live in that light. John is making this case that God is the source of all light and wants us to have that as well. But the greatest thing about God is that even contained in this verse, he's not going to twist your arm to make you worship him. Let's just say, just theoretically speaking, you come to church twice a year. Christmas, Easter. Let's just say that. God's not going to twist your arm and make you come more. God's not going to walk up to you and be like, you need to come to church. That's not going to happen. You might have friends and family. You know, you might be sitting next to somebody who twisted your arm for you to get here today. But that's not God. That's your, neighbor, that's your friend or your family member. That's not God. The greatest thing about God is that he gives us the dignity to choose him or not to choose him. It's the greatest thing. So we have the dignity of choice. You don't have to follow him. But if you do, there's some great things that come out of that. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this. And, and C.S. Lewis was just a 
guy way smarter than me, so I read him a lot and, and quote him a lot because I, I think by proxy he makes me sound smart. But C.S. Lewis says there's two kinds of people in this world. Two kinds of people. Those who will say to God all their life, thy will be done. And at the end when they die, that's the, they spent their whole life saying, thy will be done. And the other kind of people, God will say to them, okay, thy will be done. You go ahead and do what you want to do. God doesn't go where he's not wanted. God doesn't go where he's not invited. The greatest thing about Jesus is that although he desires and wants to be a part of your life so desperately, he doesn't force himself on you. Is that love? Could the God of the universe do that? Absolutely. The God of the universe could do that. The God of the universe could come in you and smack you upside the head and say, you need to follow me or die. But he gives you the dignity of choice. Though some still choose darkness. And then we come to John 1.14, which is actually our church verse. We think this verse is pretty important in the entire Bible, and especially around Christmas time. It says, the Word became flesh. So, so the Word, all that Old Testament stuff, the Word of the Lord came to so-and-so, that actually became human and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus finally came and started His ministry and started preaching, He started preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And what that means is, My presence is available to you. The presence of God is completely available to you. So in Jesus' birth, he fundamentally changed something. All the years before him, if you go to the Old Testament and look back, his presence was, was kind of at the temple. His presence was up on a mountain. His presence was, was over a tabernacle. God's presence sometimes hovered over his people, but his presence was never uniformly with all people at all times. Jesus' birth coming into this world gives you the ability and the availability to hang out with God whenever you want. Whether you're at home, whether you're on a hike, whether you're at work, whether uh, you're, you're having a date with your wife or your husband, whether you're at church, whether you're not at church, God's presence here on earth gives you the ability to be present with Him. He came proclaiming that He's available. The availability of the kingdom of God. And then I love this too. John says that, the kind of God that came to us is full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. God fundamentally flipped something around on the world that day. He flipped something around. Our world is pretty merit-based, isn't it? You get promotions at your job because you've done, some, you've done something great. Um, you, 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 do, um, you, know, you do something uh, great at school and so you get promoted or you get an award or, or things like that. Life is pretty merit-based. Imagine if your relationship with your husband or wife was merit-based. Just for a second. Let me, let, me, let me throw this out to you just as a hypothetical situation. What if I saw my wife and I said, hey, uh, six years ago, before we got married, before we got engaged, maybe seven or eight years ago now, I went up to her and said, hey, I think you're hot. Let's get married. And she said, okay. And I said, here's a cookbook. Now, what I want you to do... <laughs> is to follow these instructions explicitly every single day, and in 40 or 50 years, I'll let you know if you did okay. 
How would that work for a relationship? It would not work out for you. Jesus accepts exactly how you are, and that's the reason why your marriage works. If your marriage is working, it's because you fundamentally accepted the person who they were, flaws and all, and you learned to love those flaws. And you might still smack them for the flaws, but, I mean, I understand that. Uh, I have a bruise. Um, Somebody call adult protection service. I'm kidding. Um, But relationships are not merit-based. It's not like do this and this and this and then you'll receive this somewhere down the line. Grace means that Jesus accepts you exactly how you are today. Whatever your fears, your failures, your, you, whatever your sin, whatever your junk is, Jesus accepts you exactly as you are, full of grace and truth. And that's one of the key principles and the key promises of, of Jesus' birth. It's that he, he fundamentally altered the universe by bringing grace into this world. The Bible says in Psalms 103 that, that God does not treat us as our sins deserve, yet he's merciful. He's merciful. Sometimes, I mean, you, you've been in a relationship where they treated you as your sins deserved. But God is not that way. It's not so with God. Sometimes we go through life trying to prove that we're worthy of God's love. But God simply says, hey, I've already proven that for you on the cross. I've already proven that for you. That God loves us enough to die for us. I love what Hebrews says. Hebrews 2.17 says this, For this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Sometimes we just try and appease God. You know, most other world religions, if you study world religions, there's things that you have to do, and if you don't do them, then you're not in. It's not so here. Jesus simply walked up to people and accepted them exactly where they were at in life and welcomed them into life with him. And that's exactly what Christmas is about. It's about being welcomed into life with God. It's about walking with God along the way. It's about being present with the true light of the universe. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus became flesh so that he could have some of the same experiences as you and I. Jesus became flesh so that he can show humanity what mercy and true grace was like. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe it's, maybe it, it, it's simply as easy as saying, God, here I am, a sinner. Have mercy on me. It's one of the earliest prayers of the church. C.S. Lewis said that God became a son of man so that we could become sons of God. He swapped his seat in heaven so that we might be able to join him one day. And as John continues in, in the book of John, um, he, he skips over a little bit, or I skip over a little bit into 129. He, he says this, he says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That Lamb would lay down his life. That Lamb would take his life up again. But Jesus, John fully recognized Jesus as the light and the Lamb. 
the light that gives life to you, new life, the power to, to live a transformed life. So when you say yes to Jesus and when you begin to follow him, you don't need to live that same old junk anymore, but you could do something different with God. That's the light. And the lamb is that he took away our sins. Now in Israel, there was this tradition. The, the, they have this Passover festival. And it, they, called, they had to have the Passover lamb. And the Passover lamb was, was the perfect unblemished sacrifice that would take away the sins of the family for that year. And God would literally pass over them. That was the Passover lamb. John is making the case that Jesus is both the lamb and the light. And then as John would continue to write the book of Revelation, he, he went all the way at the very end and he got this glimpse of heaven that was gorgeous. And if you ever read Revelation 21, it's this amazing picture of what heaven is like. And, and he says this in 21, 23. He says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the lamb is the lamp. The lamb is the light. Maybe some of you are here today and you simply need to know that Jesus is the lamb and the light. That he took away the sins of humanity and that he guides you in that brand new life that you could live with him. Maybe that's simply what you need to, to hear today and that's simply what you need to do with your life. The light was born and it guided men. The light was the source of all life. The lamb, was the, was the lamb of God that laid down his life for us and for his creation. The Lamb of God ushered in a new system of gra- with grace that does not treat us as our sins deserve. The Lamb is the light. This Christmas, may you experience the confidence that there is in Jesus Christ. That there is no sin that is beyond forgiveness. Some of you might be here today and think, you know, the things that I've done, it's a wonder that this church did not fall down as I walked through the doors. But I think most of us honest Christians could probably say we've been there, we've had that, we've said that before as we walked into a church. No family situation is beyond finding peace. When you follow the Lamb, that is the light. There's no family situation that's beyond the peace of God. Some of you might think that is way too difficult for me to hear. But there's no family situation that's beyond finding peace. There's no darkness that's beyond the light. Because the Lamb is the light. This Christmas, may you understand that Jesus is closer than the air that you breathe. That you are not far. May you finally know that the birth of the light of the world can give you true life. May you confess your own sin and junk to the Lamb of God who is able to forgive, who's the only one capable of redeeming your life. You might have friends and family that say, oh, it's okay when we restore this relationship, but the only one that's capable of redeeming your whole life is God, the creator of it all. So may you safely and confidently accept the grace that was brought into the world on the day that Christ was born. May you place your confidence in the Lamb who is the light. Today as a church, we're going to sing Silent Night, and we do this by candlelight. And we do this by candlelight, and if you guys would uh, dim the, the house lights, what we do is we pass this light 
we, we take it and we pass it to each person. So get your candle out because this is symbolic of, of what Jesus did for us. The first apostles got the light of Jesus and they couldn't keep it secret and they had to pass that on. So as I light this from our Christ candle, we do this in remembrance that Jesus is the light of the world and he said to us, you are the light of the world. Go out and be that light. So this Christmas... May you be the light of the world. May you follow Jesus in such a way that other people say, what is different about you? What is strange about you? You love me with, with, with no strings attached because you have the light of the world. So as we pass this off, we'll sing Silent Night together. <laughs>